The saints understand that the words of God have been under attack by Satan's champions incessantly, yes, relentlessly throughout the ages. In regards to the sons and daughters of Adam, the initial attack on God's word was launched by the devil himself in the Garden of Eden. He added one word and a question mark to God's word, and as it is said, the rest is history and a very deadly one. Genesis 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Remove the word hath and the question mark, and Satan's statement would read, Yea, God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The challenge to the veracity of the word of God begins here. God is the living word, and by words, his words, all things are created. These words are not just printer's ink and paper. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. God is a spirit, the spirit, and words are spiritual. Words can deliver death and life. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. God is the living, creating, and perfect word. When one embraces Satan's deadly, destroying, and imperfect words over God's, it is correctly compared to harlotry, the spirit of adultery, the spirit of infidelity. The born again are called the bride of Christ, and we are on our way to a marriage supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Only virgins who have made themselves ready will attend, Revelation chapter 19. 2 Corinthians 11.2 speaks of the bride of Christ as a chaste virgin. Chaste means pure from unlawful sexual intercourse, stainless pure. Oxford English Dictionary. The real believer is married to the living word of God. Revelation 19.13 declares the name of Christ, who is the groom, and reads, and his name is called the word of God. Jesus Christ is the living and perfect word of God, and a chaste virgin shudders at the thought of adding to or subtracting from him. Spiritual purists are chaste virgins. In this place, clarifying absolutes live and deliver from all of Satan's bondages. In this place of spiritual chastity, questions and frustrations dissolve and clear vision and purpose arise. Have you yet to be born again? Jesus said in John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When a soul repents of sin, believing on the saving blood of Jesus Christ, that soul is cleansed of all sin and enters the saved state. Born again is a very real second birth, this time being born of the Spirit of God. Today can be your day of salvation. Today, all your sin and shame will be washed away. Today, all Satan's bondages will be broken, even the seemingly impossible, if you will follow me in this simple prompt. Do it now while God's hand is still extended to you, while you still have time. Do it at this moment. Ready? Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said Daniel chapter 11 verses 31 and 36. 
and arms shall stand on his part. And they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself, and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that that is determined shall be done. God said, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 3, and 4, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. God said, Matthew twenty four fifteen. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Man said, These foolish doomsday prophets make me laugh. There is no end to this world and certainly no judgment day. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said. Feature Article 966 where the word of God is true and righteous altogether. All of these powerful features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as bait for the fishers of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May God's face shine upon you and your house with light and truth. Several paragraphs follow from feature one and two. God's Word is so dramatic, so life-changing. It is so all-encompassing now and beyond, so entire and complete, so finite and fantastical, and so Jesus Christ, who is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end, and all that transpires in between is weighed in His balances, from molecules to men. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, For it pleased the Father, that in him should all fullness dwell. Jesus Christ is God's center point in heaven and earth. He is so beyond inclusive and expansive. Some will read or hear this feature and think, Oh, I've heard that before in a dismissive way. If you are thinking this, know that it is you who are in error. For what we know of a certain matter, and certainly the one we will be addressing in this short series is small, very small. Satan's arrogant attitude blocks us from proceeding in revelation. Of this I must repent and bow down my ear. Get ready for Holy Ghost shock and awe. Sola Scriptura, Scriptures alone saints, are often criticized with statements such as, You foolish Christians offer up Jesus Christ as the solution for everything. To this the word walker will respond, Yes, it's true. Colossians 1.19, For it pleased the Father, that in him should all fullness dwell. The fullness of all things lives, dwells, inside Jesus Christ. There are no exceptions. Nothing is happenstance in the Word of God. Everything has its place. Everything has its purpose. And everything by necessity revolves around Jesus Christ. Every deed and every thought revolve around Jesus Christ. They are either pro-Christ or anti-Christ. A thought or deed that is good, wholesome, and true is pro-Christ. Those that are not are anti-Christ. 
He is the solution to every problem because every problem is the product of casting off Christ. Everything revolves around Jesus Christ, even today and yesterday are dated in his name. B.C. for before Christ and the year of this writing, 2019 A.D., 2019 Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. Jesus Christ is the singularity. The singularity of Christ is so completely all-encompassing, it staggers the mind to contemplate. What does Colossians 1 verse 19 mean? For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. All fullness dwells. All of creation, visible and invisible, dwells or lives inside Jesus Christ, for this pleases the Father. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and all that is in between. Christ Jesus is the singularity. He is God's creator of the earth and its universe and all its life forms. He is God's Savior for all who will call upon his name and inherit the promise of eternal life. He is the champion of Armageddon, where this wicked world, excuse me, as we know it ends, and Satan is bound for a thousand years in the bottomless pit. His cross will be the judge of all mankind and will dictate their eternity. He is the beginning and the end, and everything in between. Jesus Christ is the singularity because this pleases the Father. This short series will anchor the singularity in your heart and will open wide the doors to childlike simplicity. Those who are disciplined weekly visitors to God said, man said, will recognize recurring principles, but be assured the end of this exercise will be thoroughly staggering. Discipline is required. Keep in mind that discipline and disciple share the same root word. If Jesus Christ is the singularity, if he is the center of the universe, if everything is of him and dwells in him, and that means everything, then we should see evidence everywhere, and we do. If you have not yet visited the first two features of this series, please stop now and either read or listen to the God Said, Man Said features, 21 Signs of Doomsday, Adam to Armageddon, the Third Temple Arises, and 21 Signs of Doomsday, Adam to Armageddon, the Singularity. The following is a brief review of Feature 1 and 2. It is of an instant replay nature. In Feature 1, we discover Jesus Christ is the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world, John chapter 1, verse 9. Microbiologists were shocked to discover that when sperm and egg come together, a flash of light shoots forth, forth, marking and energizing the beginning of life. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, John 8, verse 12. He is the singularity. God's Word teaches that we are literally made out of words. Revelation 19 speaks of Jesus Christ stating, and His name is called the Word of God. Scientists call your DNA the book of life. DNA houses a four-letter alphabet that dictates all of life's building instructions structured in words, sentences, paragraphs, chapters, and volumes. Jesus Christ is known in Revelation as the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet, and every letter and the words they form in between. Jesus Christ is the singularity. DNA dwells in him. When sin entered in the Garden of Eden, the law of sin and death began to reign. 
God's plan to reconcile the lost souls of men unto himself was set in motion. Not only was Jesus Christ God's creator of the universe, but this same Christ became God's Savior and Deliverer for the lost and bound sons and daughters of Adam. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 and John three sixteen. After Adam and Eve sinned, they realized they were naked and sewed together fig leaves to make aprons, but that covering was insufficient. To cover Adam and Eve's nakedness, which represents the shameful results of sin, God made them clothes out of animal skins that would cover their nakedness. Note that a blood sacrifice was required to cover their sin. This blood sacrifice was not only the first offering for sin, but also a shadow of the sacrifice Jesus Christ would make on Calvary's tree, which was to come. Jesus Christ is the singularity. Our daily conversations are laced with Jesus Christ. Some examples include, Atonement by the blood of Jesus Christ creates at-one-ment with God. Universe is universe, or one word, God's word. Holiday comes from the words holy day. Goodbye comes from a contraction of God be with you. The pain on the cross of crucifixion was so severe, a new word was coined. That word is excruciating, which means out of the cross. According to the Oxford Dictionary, the word bless has an etymological meaning of to mark or affect in some way with blood or sacrifice, to consecrate, the original meaning to make sacred or holy with blood, end of quote. When one says, God bless you, he or she is calling on the blood covering of Jesus Christ to be your portion. Jesus Christ is the singularity. Biology calls it laminin. It is an inert substance that acts like scaffolding, holding together all things in life, including our organs. The following is a picture of what it looks like. In feature 2, you read Hebrews 10, 7, Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. The volume of the book revolves around Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.24 teaches us that the Old Testament law was a schoolmaster bringing us unto Christ, who is the fulfillment of all things. Colossians 2.17 tells us Old Testament customs and observances were but a shadow of the Christ to come. Jesus speaks of the law and the prophets in Matthew 5.17, and he says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Everything in scriptures and life revolves around Jesus Christ, every jot and every tittle. He is the singularity. One prime example was given of the shadow, the schoolmaster bringing us unto Christ. The fulfillment of the Old Testament law was the Jewish Passover, which is fulfilled in the Lord's Supper. Here we remember the cross of Christ, and now his loving blood applied to the doorpost and lintel of the heart means that Satan must pass over us and do no harm, even as the death angel passed over the children of Israel when he saw the blood applied to their houses. He could do no harm. Jesus Christ is the singularity. In feature two of this short series, you read how the world, past, present, and future turns on an event that took place 4,000 years ago between God, Abraham, and Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. Abraham went to sacrifice his only begotten son Isaac atop Mount Moriah, which today is the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. 
God commanded Abraham in this, but had no intention for Abraham to follow through. Abraham was being tested. In the shadow example, Abraham represents God, and Isaac represents Jesus, Isaac and Jesus both being only begotten sons. The ram is a substitute for Isaac, even as Christ is the substitute for us, forgiving and delivering us from our sins. He is even our propitiation, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. Abraham saw a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Abraham's only begotten son Isaac was spared because God had supplied the sacrifice, and the sacrifice in the fulfillment of the shadow was Jesus Christ, God's only begotten son, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We highlighted ram's horns, and how prevalently they are represented in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the horns are ever-present at Calvary. The ram couldn't escape from Abraham because he was caught by his horns in the thicket. If Jesus Christ was to fulfill the will of God, he would not be able to escape Calvary. In agony, Jesus prays to his Father in Mark fourteen thirty-two through 36. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy, and saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little, and fell on the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Jesus prayed this prayer three times, and so intently that he sweat as it were great drops of blood. Luke twenty-two forty-four. It was Jesus' decision to drink of his prophetic cup that the Father had given him. He could have walked away from the horrors of the cross. In the garden in Matthew twenty-six fifty-three and 54, the Lord says, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? Jesus was caught in the thicket. Jesus Christ was bound to the horns, the ram's horns of the altar. He was the sacrifice that broke Satan's stranglehold upon all who would and will believe upon his name. Revelation 1.5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Jesus was caught in the thicket. And he willingly chose the Father. He willingly chose us. A brother in Christ, after hearing the teaching of the ram caught in the thicket by his horns, commented that the crown of thorns on Jesus' head represented the struggle in the thickets. The crown of thorns was not just happenstance. Abraham built an altar of rock upon the foundation rock of Mount Moriah, and this is where Jesus Christ was judged, condemned, and then crucified on Calvary. This is where King David's son, King Solomon, built the Hebrew temple in Jerusalem. Second Chronicles 3.1, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah, 
where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Jewish sages claim that Mount Moriah, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, contains the foundation stone of the world and its universe, which is also the very stone upon which Abraham lay Isaac upon the sacrifice. It is central to the Holy of Holies in the Temple. Jewish writings declare it as the place of the binding of Isaac by Abraham. King David purchased this land for the building of the first Jewish temple. As a result of Israel's sin, the first temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and later rebuilt. The second temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. by the Roman general Titus. The third temple is soon to be rebuilt, and the Isaac stone will drive the very battle of Armageddon. This rock represents the seed of Abraham, and that seed is Christ. The end of the world happens at Jerusalem. Jesus Christ is the singularity, even the rock of our salvation. In 1940, the idea of an Israel arising from the ash bin of history and becoming a nation again after being missing by name from the globe's geography for over 2,000 years would be seen as a pipe dream to most. But one day, May 14, 1948, with the stroke of a pen, Israel once again rejoined the League of Nations in one day. Isaiah prophesies in chapter 66, 8 through 12, Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth to be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord? Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith thy God? Rejoice ye with Jerusalem, and be glad with her, all ye that love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all ye that mourn for her, that ye may suck and be satisfied with the breast of her consolations, that ye may milk out and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then shall ye suck, ye shall be borne upon her sides, and be dandled upon her knees. The land of Israel was so desolate that novelist Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens, said in 1867, a desolate country whose soil is rich enough, but is given over wholly to weeds, a silent mournful expanse, a desolation. We never saw a human being on the whole route, hardly a tree or shrub anywhere, even the olive tree and the cactus. Those fast friends of worthless soil had almost deserted the country. End of quote. A land so desolate and unwanted, yet restored in one single day. In 1940, the idea that Israel would once again find its place on the world map seemed fantastical. But today, it is one of the world's strongest economies and mightiest military forces. The highly prophesied and anticipated third Jewish temple seems just as fantastical to the skeptics, but rest assured, saints, it resides just over the horizon. The rebuilding of the third temple of God on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem is pivotal to doomsday. The focus on this small part of the earth's geography is intense. A Time magazine reporter is quoted as saying, 
Jerusalem's Temple Mount is potentially the most volatile 35 acres on earth. End of quote. It certainly is true. For God's prophecies of a coming Armageddon to be fulfilled, we need a third Jewish temple. The Word of God clearly prophesies of the physical second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for His church. The born-again saints of God will be transformed into immortal form in the twinkling of an eye and will be evacuated from this earth to meet Christ in the clouds. This truth is ridiculed by the foolish, and so it was in the days of Noah. Keep in mind that marine fossils are found on every mountain peak. The Word of God de uh, declares in Second Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The man of sin will go into the Jewish temple and confess himself to be God. At this juncture, the Holy Ghost, he who now letteth or alloweth, will be taken away, and so will the church of Christ. Something is presently missing from the equation described in Second Thessalonians, and of course, it is the third Jewish temple. One of the two key signs of the great taking up of the church is declared in 2 Thessalonians, which precedes the end of the world as we know it by just a few years, is when the son of perdition, the son of eternal ruin, the son of hell, goes into the temple of the Jews and declares that he is God. At this present time, September 2019 A.D., the Jewish temple does not exist. In its place are the Muslim Dome of the Rock. Catch this now the Muslim Dome of the Rock, and the Al-Aqsa Mosque, given the combustible condition of Israel. A scenario could easily be imagined where the Muslim mosques that now occupy Jerusalem's Temple Mount could vanish in a moment from an errant or orchestrated explosion or even a natural disaster such as an earthquake, etc. A fault line exists under the Mount of Olives and the Temple Mount. There is a group known as the Temple Mount Faithful Movement dedicated to this very real possibility. Some members in their organization were arrested and convicted in the 1980s for plotting to blow up the two mosques. It is said that the materials needed to rebuild the temple have been set aside, awaiting the demolition of the Muslim mosques. But also keep in mind that an ancient and recently revived school of thought is that the temple can be presently built on the Temple Mount without disturbing present Muslim structures. By this method, only the court of the Gentiles would be omitted, which lines up perfectly with Revelation 11, 1 and 2. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Arise, and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread under foot forty and two months. We not only need a temple to fulfill biblical prophecies, we also need priests who can establish their pedigree to preside. The tribe of Levi, one of the twelve tribes of Israel, was designated by God to conduct all temple duties. Down through history, Israel, uh, through defeat in battle, has been dispersed to the four corners of the earth. In 70 A.D., the second temple was utterly destroyed. 
the assumed destruction of genealogical records and over two millennia of dispersion have made Jewish tribe identification nearly impossible, but not as much so for the Cohens and the Levites. In the Jewish effort to preserve the identity of the Levi tribe, it was forbidden by Jewish law for a Cohen or a Levi to alter his name. The name Cohen is a Jewish surname derived from Cohen, meaning a Jewish priest. Cohens are direct descendants of Aaron, the brother of Moses, who was also of the tribe of Levi. Aaron and his sons performed all priestly duties. The entire tribe was set aside to perform the many tasks in connection with the temple and to support the needs of the priest. Years back, Time magazine reported the following. Two Talmudic schools located near the Western Wailing Wall are teaching nearly 200 students the elaborate details of temple service. End of quote. The ability to detect a Levitical priest has now risen to the level of DNA science. Variations in the Y chromosome unique to the sons of Aaron can now be ascertained through DNA testing, which establishes with, with certainty a true Levite priest. End of quote. The third temple is not a pipe dream. Utensils, pots, and pans for temple use have been and are being made. The high priest's robes have been made, as well as orders being taken for the white robes of the supporting Levites. The red heifer now exists. Archaeologists have unearthed the temple's anointing oil. The 71-member Sanhedrin, absent from the world stage for 1,600 years, is now reassembled. The Sanhedrin rules in matters of temple law. The seven-candlestick golden menorah has been made. The headline in the March 16, 2015 feature by Prophecy Newswatch reads, Major Prophetic Announcement, Holy Altar Constructed for Third Jewish Temple. Excerpts follow. End Times Prophecy Watchers are marveling over a news report out of Jerusalem this week that the altar of the Lord has been reconstructed by the Temple Institute. The Institute, based in the old city of Jerusalem, announced it has finished building an altar that is essentially ready for use in sacrificial services. The altar is the most ambitious project to date toward the goal of rebuilding the Jewish temple. The massive outdoor altar, which took several years to build, can be operational at little more than a moment's notice, reported the Israeli magazine Matzav Harup. The altar is the last major component needed for the long-obstructed sacrifices to resume in a future Jewish temple. Ultra-Orthodox Jews prayed daily for its reconstruction atop the holy hill known as Mount Moriah or the Temple Mount. Jonathan Kahn, author of The Harbinger and the Mystery of the Shemitah, also sees the announcement as significant. We know that end-time prophecy cannot be fulfilled without the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, Khan, a Messianic Jewish rabbi in New Jersey, told WND. The abomination desolation prophesied in Daniel and the Gospels must take place within the temple precincts. So, too, the Apostle Paul speaks of the man of sin or the Antichrist sitting in the temple of God. What many people don't realize is that along with the Holy of Holies, the altar of the temple is the most central and critical part of the temple. Khan said it is the altar that is the center of the abomination causing desolation. End of quote. Jesus Christ is the singularity. 
he will return to the earth, landing on the Mount of Olives, and will make a quick and devastating end to the battle raging in Jerusalem. The third temple, soon to be built, will be the ultimate instigator of this earth-ending war, and most specifically, the rock where Abraham prepared to sacrifice his only son Isaac, which was the shadow of a loving God and his loving and only begotten son Jesus Christ at Calvary. Daniel interprets King Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the end of this world's governments in Daniel chapter 2, 37 through 45. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beast of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all things, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, forasmuch as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. This stone cut out of the mountain without hands, that strikes and destroys the world's wicked nations, and then fills the whole earth, is Jesus Christ, the singularity, and this mountain is Mount Moriah. 1 Peter chapter 2, 6-8 through 8, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. The third temple is central to the great taking up of the church. It is central to the world-ending battle of Armageddon. The third temple and its rock are the center of the universe. The third temple and the fulfillment of its shadow is knock, knock, knocking at the door, and it is a knock that must be answered. Jesus Christ is the singularity, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, Colossians 1.19. Everything lives inside Jesus Christ, from molecules to men. It's just that simple. God said, Daniel chapter 11, 31 and 36, And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, 
and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that that is determined shall be done. God said, Second Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. God said, Matthew 24, 15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Man said, These foolish doomsday prophets make me laugh. There is no end of this world and certainly no judgment day. Now you have the record.